Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. So uh, you may have noticed, listeners, that Kyle did the uh, generic default um, intro there. And that may be because it's been a minute (laughs) since since we've done any... uh, um doctor's watchers it's true we we missed our last recording session because i was basically too busy last month on saturdays which is when we usually record so it has indeed been a minute yes and in that time a couple of major things have happened it's true Um, one of them was the writer's strike, and another was the actor's strike. <laughs> well, I think we talked about the writer's strike earlier. Okay. But but this is the first one we've recorded since the start of the actor's strike. All right. Well, I think we might have said at the time that we support the writers, and now, of course, we are here to say, screw the actors. No, just kidding. We're here to say we support the actors as well. Uh-huh. Um, we support them being paid for the work that they do. We support, um, or we, we endorse the notion that these studio execs do not need to be pocketing tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases while, you know, refusing to pay fair residuals on things like streaming, et cetera, et cetera. I imagine, you know, our, our listeners are fairly familiar with the uh, situation by now. Just a sec. All right. Well, while Kyle's doing that, I can tell our listeners that at the start of the episode, when we were checking to see if we were each ready, Kyle, who has Matilda napping near him, said, Matilda, are you ready? And then Matilda did a big, huge yawn right on cue. <laughs> I thought that was very cute. Sorry, I'm entertaining our listeners, Kyle. Nice. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> so, yeah, one thing I, I wanted to mention about the actor's strike is that I think probably some people, when they think about actors and like the face of the actor strike are like these, you know, huge stars that we all recognize that probably do have a lot of money themselves. But for every like millionaire, huge star actor that you think of, there are a hundred dirt poor actors in the Screen Actors Guild who... yeah are not that and you know who can barely scrape by on the money they make from their acting career yeah yeah i mean and kyle i think what you're doing is you're addressing the the complaint that we've heard sometimes of like why are these actors striking aren't they already millionaires you know aren't aren't this just a bad bunch of rich people asking for more money blah 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 and it's like no it's it's really not um Mm -hmm. yeah like kyle was saying even that the millionaires uh they're just such a small um small minority of working actors but then also like for for some of these well-known actors like the the amount of money that they make on some of these shows like you'd be surprised yeah especially if they're working on shows that are meant for streaming networks yeah and and or you know if somebody had a hit a while ago and they haven't really been doing as much lately then you're like oh surely if they made that one really popular show surely they're just living off of that now and it's like 
yeah, I'm sure the studio is making a bunch of money on reruns or whatever, but like a lot of times, very little of that comes back to the actor. Um, right. And that's, that's one of the, uh, the issues that we're seeing. Yeah, for sure. One, one statistic I heard, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are hosted by either members of SAG or members of the WGA or sometimes both. Cool. And one statistic I heard on one of them was that the health insurance that SAG provides you need to make at least $26,000 in a year in order to qualify for it. Uh-huh. And 87% of SAG members don't qualify for it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine like making less than $26,000 as an actor? Like, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you actors are probably... I'm not trying to like, you know, put down anyone who who is low income, by the way. Like, I know that... There's a lot of people who, who that is the reality that that's the amount of money that they make. But, but to hear people saying like, Oh, you, you rich actors are just trying to ask for more money because you're greedy or whatever, while at the same time making such a relatively small amount of money, like that sucks. Yeah, for sure. So one interesting side effect of the SAG strike in particular is that According to the guidelines published by SAG, members are, you know, prohibited from promoting any shows that they're working on or that they have worked on. They're not obviously currently working on anything, but they're yeah. they're prohibited from promoting shows that they've worked on and that prohibition extends to such things as attending panels at Comic-Con that might be talking about these shows. Which was very relevant to your recent experience as somebody who went to Comic-Con. <laughs> it was indeed. I just got back from Comic-Con about a week ago, uh, not quite a week ago even at the time of recording this, and it was definitely an interesting experience to have like a, a much smaller footprint from like the big networks than mm-hmm. we've previously had. Um, <laughs> I talked to your partner about it earlier and she said, oh, can we just always do it like this? <laughs> like, like she wishes that this was, uh, always the way that it was at Comic-Con. Yeah. I mean, I'd be in favor of that. My understanding cool. is that this is kind of how it used to be and it's mm-hmm. only really That's what it's called Comic-Con. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's only been in like the last 10 or 15 years that like big studios and big networks have kind of largely taken it over. But I've only been attending Comic-Con for, I think, maybe seven or eight years at this point. Mm. And so that's all within the last 10 to 15 years. So I had, you know, I had never really experienced the pre-big network, big studio version of Mm Comic-Con until, you know, the version that we had this year. Yeah. And I know you and I actually went to some smaller cons, um, back when I first came out here to California Mm -hmm. and that was, you know, like 15 years ago. So Kyle has had small con experience, just not specifically with comic con. Right. And like the crowd in general was, you know, probably roughly the same size as it usually was. Uh huh. 
but you know it was a lot more focused on like you know comics and games and like indie stuff so that was really cool yeah that's so cool so is it mostly like just buying stuff um i mean there are still a ton of panels my partner oh, went okay. to yeah, yeah. various panels of like there are often panels of like you know muslims in comics and you know indigenous cultures in comics and like stuff like that that she likes to go to um I went to a few panels that were about tabletop game design that were pretty interesting. Oh, cool. And that are, you know, somewhat related to some of my interests. Uh-huh. Uh, I also went to a panel. It was basically a panel of people who work on special effects in movies and TV shows. Nice. And the host of the panel would show like a clip from classic doctor who and then the panelists would like talk about how to cheaply produce the effect that was shown in the clip which was probably exactly how they did it of course because they were trying to make it right. as cheaply as possible yeah <laughs> what did they uh did they by any chance show people running uh in darkness <laughs> while somebody off camera smacks them in the face with tree branches <laughs> no we didn't get that unfortunately my favorite doctor who effect ever and i do not know if anything's ever gonna top that <laughs> i think my favorite one that they showed was a ufo landing and as it lands you know like it's it's thrusters cause you know like spouts of dirt to kick up from the surface oh cool and they said that like the ufo itself was basically like a connector of air conditioning ducts to you know change it from like one size to a different size uh-huh um you just like you know get one of those connectors and then like glue some other shit onto it and spray nice. paint it all silver nice and then they decided that probably the dust kicking up from the surface was probably some people like below the table with straws just like blowing. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say like some sort of compressed air cans or something, but no, we're going uh, cheaper. <laughs> yeah, you, you could do com- can't afford that. compressed air cans, but so yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty entertaining. I love that. That's great. That sounds like a fantastic panel. Well, well, cool. Um, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we get into it? Uh, I think we should probably get down to business. All right, let's do it. Season 3, episode 18. Indeed, the ninth episode of the serial Daleks Master Plan. This is Golden Death. Golden Death. Nice. Hey, if you gotta die, go out in style, <laughs> my <right>? Indeed. <laughs> I guess the other last thing I'll say before we really get into it is just a reminder that shows like this would not be possible without writers and actors. Yes. <laughs> What would we do every three weeks, Kyle? <laughs> uh, cool. Well, um, 
Well, should we uh, should we talk about the the writers and uh, who, speaking of writers, who wrote this one? Oh yes, um, this is another Dennis. <laughs> yeah, this is another Dennis. We've got Dennis Spooner, you know, inspired by an idea or however they phrase it, uh, working off the outlines provided by Terry Nation. Very cool. Um, and how did you watch it? So this is another reconstruction, but you may remember that. Way back several episodes ago, I said 75% of the cereal is missing. Yeah, and ever since then, I've been assiduously trying to <laughs> avoid having to do math. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, we're on episode 9 currently. We've had two quartets of episodes, and we had one non-missing episode in each of those quartets. Hmm. So... We are now in a new quartet on episode nine, theoretically, so there could be another non-missing episode in our future. Holy moly. Okay, well, let's see. If we're, if we're doing quartets, um, then, uh, all right, so we're we, we eight episodes in. We're probably looking at a total of... Oh, all right, remember what I said earlier about refusing to do math? Let's move on. <laughs> Do you recall from when we recorded weeks and weeks ago what our Cliftangler was? Yeah, thanks for going to, thanks for going to freaking Comic-Con, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving me with the Cliftangler for like six weeks. Um, but but fortunately, we did, you know, recently, or we have been um, in the background, like doing the, the edits and the QA listen and all that stuff, so... Um, I believe the cliffdangler was that the Daleks finally got their act together and got their time machine, and uh, now they're going to go after our heroes, unless I'm an episode off, in which case I don't know what the cliffdangler was. Uh, I think you are actually correct. Hooray! Yeah, I have conquest, conquest, conquest at the end of my yes, previous yes, episode. that's what they were cheering as the time, time machine leaves or uh, disappears or whatever to come get our heroes. So we cut from that to a quick shot of the TARDIS materializing among the pyramids of Egypt. Very cool. Very cool. And then we cut over to the control room of the Dalek time machine. The Dalek in charge of the task force is showing Mavic Chen the Dalek scanner, which has pyramids on it, and... It confirms that that's where the humans have landed, and that once they've recovered the Tranium Core, they'll... Eliminate the human! Cool. I mean, and and, then Mavic Chen is giving him a look like, are you sure you'll stop at eliminating? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is this control room, like, pretty similar to a TARDIS control room? Um... I don't think it has like the uppy downy thing in the middle. It's well, mostly it's Screw mostly just room. like panels and stuff. <laughs> yeah, all right, it's still pretty. <laughs> they wonder why the TARDIS, which they presume to have detected that it's being followed, does not seem to be making any attempt to take off and leave. It's just like sitting there at the pyramids. Uh huh. I mean, surely if they have a, a functional, a fully functional time machine and they know exactly how to use it, you'd think that they would be flying off right now. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Of course, the reason why they're not flying off is because the doctor wants to like properly fix the TARDIS lock before they go. Oh yes. You you may recall that the monk the monk fucked it up in the previous episode. Yes, he he put some space gum in the space lock. I think right. is how we described it. And the doctor, and the, the doctor used his his ring yeah, to open he it. Like shines the planet sunlight through his ring, which somehow opens it. Hey, hey, man! He established that the the sun's energy on that planet, <laughs> or I think he actually said the sun in this galaxy, if I remember. I right, think which, so. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> no, I'm not an astronomer, but <laughs> I think most galaxies have multiple stars or suns. Yeah, pretty sure. We might want to double check that, but we'll cut this part <laughs> I mean, if, if we're wrong. I, 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 I don't know if I should be disagreeing with the doctor. He is the doctor, so uh-huh. he's probably right. I'm, I'm probably the one that's wrong. <laughs> but yeah, apparently this wasn't a long-term fix for the lock. It just like popped the door open for the moment, so he wants to properly fix it. I mean, if you feel like force the lock open, you, you do want to fix the lock so that later on you can lock the door again. <laughs> right. <laughs> they have detected that there is a ship following them, but... They're assuming that it's the monk. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, it's just that guy. Like, yeah, we're not worried. <laughs> uh-huh. They, you know, they all step out of the TARDIS. Stephen looks up at the pyramid that they've parked behind and says... <laughs> uh, Stephen, always channeling his ancestor. <laughs> he decides to climb the pyramid a bit higher so he can have a better view of the monk's ship when it arrives. Yeah, yeah. What does arrive, of course, is the Dalek time machine. Dun dun dun. He, you know, Stephen sees this. He doesn't know what Dalek time machines look like, though. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that, maybe that's the monk's time machine. I don't know. <laughs> uh, hi, Matilda. Oh, I see the tip of her tail at the bottom of your screen. <laughs> I was She's thinking. So fluffy. <laughs> I was thinking it's too bad, you know, that Stephen's Alabama Alabaman ancestor didn't manage <laughs> to take any photos of the Dalek time machine. Otherwise, maybe oh, Stephen true. would yeah. know what it was. Yeah, yeah, you think it would be like, or or maybe he, it, it's been part of like the the family history, like you know, and your great 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 grandpa once saw a space creature time machine. It was <laughs> the size of a skyscraper and it's covered with blinking lights. And then when he sees one for real, he's like, "That can't be it." And uh, it's like, well, <laughs> sometimes these things grow in the telling. So, yeah, he assumes that what he sees is the monk arriving, and he goes and tells the doctor that the monk's here. The doctor can't leave the TARDIS at the moment. He's apparently disassembled the whole lock mechanism. (laughs) He just has, like, all laid out on a blanket. (laughs) Uh (laughs) It's like, dang it, come on, man. (laughs) You know, obviously he needs to finish the job. He can't leave the TARDIS, like, unaccompanied in the meantime. Yeah. So Stephen and Sarah Kingdom both head off to watch the newly arrived time machine. 
Yeah, the the Kingler, I believe we decided. Right, I actually ship. went further than that in my notes and named it the Stara Kingler. Stara Kingler, wow! <laughs> I hope this uh, hope this ship lives up to the name. That's quite a name. What the Doctor doesn't know, in addition to the fact that, of course, it's actually Daleks that have arrived and not the Monk, is that he is being watched by. An ancient Egyptian. Oh, cool, cool. I mean, we weren't sure, like, uh, what point in Egyptian history we're in right now. Those pyramids have been around a while, and for all we know, they stick around even longer. So Uh we could have been at any time. (laughs) So this ancient Egyptian rushes off and, like, informs his master that there are strangers at the tomb. Wow. That's an interesting theory about uh, ancient Egyptians. Normally you think of them as North African, but this one's Russian. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kyle. Nice. (laughs) Uh, It's been a while since we recorded. I think um, I I got a little weirder in the meantime. (laughs) Do we have a rimshot sound effect? I'm sure I can find one. (laughs) Our listeners will know if there was one when I said that terrible pun. (laughs) Not that I deserved it. (laughs) Sarah and Stephen see some Daleks come out of this time machine, and so they rush back to go warn the doctor. Man, now (laughs) everyone's Russian. (laughs) I think that joke is now firmly in the ground. I will... We'll see. I make no promises. (laughs) They actually rush right into a whole group of ancient Egyptians who basically seize them. Cool. So we're, we're saying seize like S-E-I-Z-E, see, see, they seize yeah. them? Yeah. All right. Cool. They, they capture them. Gotcha. This group of Egyptians kind of splits into a couple of subgroups. One of these subgroups starts taking the Stara Kingler away while cool. the other subgroup... They're like, we ship it, all right? <laughs> uh-huh. T- taking them to a, a, a nice fancy hotel, you know? <laughs> you got the, the, the dinner, candlelit dinner already ready to go. Right. Wine is chilling already. <laughs> <laughs> this other subgroup faces off against the approaching Daleks, and... Most of them get film negativized. <laughs> uh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. While well, the one group gets to you know watch their their faves um, interact, uh, <laughs> their their blorbos. Uh-huh. This other group is like, man, we're stuck on Dalek duty, and all we do is get film negativized. <laughs> You're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a five-star review and tell a friend. We appreciate you, listener. You can reach us by tweeting at Dr. Watcher or emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And now, back to the episode. We cut back to the doctor who has apparently finished the repair job. Nice. So, All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> uh, he starts looking for Sarah and Stephen, which... Sorry, Sarah and Stephen, no time for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this basically turns into like a whole series of investigation checks on the doctor's part. On one of these checks, he has to like tiptoe past a sleeping guard. On one of them, he finds a bunch of Pharaoh's treasures. <laughs> He's like, all right, <laughs> that works. Uh, I, 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 like, I don't know why that, that was like part of the, the quest line for finding my, <laughs> my hidden uh, comrades, but I'll take it. <laughs> Just going to add that to my inventory now. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of them, he has to roll an endurance check because there's like, he's in the oppressive heat area of the map. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, various different things like this. But then on one of the investigation checks, the GM asks for a perception check. And what he perceives is the TARDIS materialization noise. Oh, shit. (laughs) And a police box-sized stone block materializes. (laughs) Uh, So if this is the monk's TARDIS, then whose time machine was chasing them earlier? What? (laughs) Uh (laughs) He has enough time to, like, duck behind some cover and hide as the monk exits his TARDIS sees how bright it is outside, heads back into his TARDIS, and then comes back out a few moments later with sunglasses on. This monk is cool. Like, I like his style. Yeah, totally. (laughs) The monk starts walking off, and the doctor starts following him surreptitiously, and then it strikes him to wonder who it was who landed before and it only takes him a moment to realize. Oh, shit. So the Sterakingler ship is bound. It's not bound for anywhere. It's just that, like, the two of them are tied up. And <laughs> uh, it's, it's bound for romance. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the two of them are tied up, I mean, we can work with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've gotten some mileage out of that in the past in other ships on the show. I, I wrote in my notes that they're not tied up in the sexy way, but I think, you know, we've discussed before how yes. any, any tying up is. Yeah. Said. Yes. So, yeah, I'll just remove that from my notes here. Thank you. Get that shit out of there, Kyle. (laughs) I don't know what you were thinking. (laughs) One of the Egyptians heads off to, like, the next encampment to raise an army to do battle with the fire-throwing machines, which is what they're calling the Daleks. Cool. I mean, good luck to them, but... uh, (laughs) um, It might be a little... uh, uh, Technologically outclassed here, fellas. Yeah. Another Egyptian informs Stara Kinglor that they will be held until their friends have been brought to join them, and then they'll all answer for their crimes, which are basically murder and plunder. What? Who, who did they murder? I mean, plunder, yeah. We, I think we've established the document some of that, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> like, hold on, we only did half of that. Wait, wait, I'm going to think about my defense here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they're being blamed for the Daleks. I think the no, Egyptians think are thinking that, like, the Daleks are machines that these people are controlling, maybe. Something like that. Mm. Mm. All right. 
Steven says that they have nothing to answer for, you know, the classic we haven't done anything wrong defense. Uh And he tells them that, you know, they don't give a shit about the Pharaoh's treasures. <laughs> as the as the doctor is like jingling with each step, <laughs> you know, every now and then some like necklace or like gilt chalice falls out of his like coat. <laughs> uh huh. Of course, there was an Egyptian spying on the doctor, and he's not so sure about this. Then why did he examine so carefully that large blue box? Well, probably because the large blue box was his. Now I know you lie. Everything the slaves hold here across the desert belongs to Pharaoh. Yeah, but before... I mean, okay, hold on. Before it belonged to Pharaoh, it belonged to us. And can we talk a little bit about this... Uh, um, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Oh, 100% of the law, you say. Hmm, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Egyptian guard basically stops paying attention to Stara Kingler. And, you know, it's like in in the guard's contract that you only have to pay attention for a certain percentage of the time. Yeah. Like, uh, otherwise the Pharaoh's got to pay him overtime. And like, right. so Sarah reveals to Steven that she found a piece of broken pottery and has been working on sawing through the bonds. Classic person of action. Yes. The monk is wandering around when <laughs> all right cool he sees somebody up ahead and he looks for a place to hide but there aren't any so he so basically just stand with your back against the wall <laughs> it's worked before uh-huh. <laughs> he pockets his sunglasses and he greets mavic chen in the style of a monk uh-huh. He's like, and don't, don't worry about the setting or the location. Mavic Chen's like, man, I'm from like the year, what is that, 30,000 or 3, something? 3,000, I like, think. Oh, 3,000, yeah. all right. I was off by a factor of 10. But <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I don't know what time period monks were in. Like, this is old-timey times. Did they have sunglasses? <laughs> Who knows? He very quickly realizes that there's a Dalek behind Chen, and... Chen tells the Dalek not to exterminate the monk yet because he might be able to help them. The Dalek's like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not sure I follow. You're saying I should not exterminate. (laughs) Mm, I'm not sure about this. Uh Uh-huh. Mavic Chen confirms with the monk that the monk has heard of the Daleks and thus is not from this current time. No, oh no, certainly not, no. Just a passing time traveler, anxious to be on his way, so if you'll excuse me, I'll... Out! <laughs> I like this guy. Uh-huh. Chen wonders what the hell three different time machines are doing in this one place, and the monk reveals that he's here seeking vengeance on the doctor. Yeah, he's just going to, like, roll the dice on that one. Like, Uh hmm. Historically, are people more likely to be allies of the Doctor or against him? I think this is probably a safe bet. (laughs) It shines like, so the Doctor knows you, and the monk's not really sure where Chen's going with this, so he tries to evade. Well, uh, 
in, in a manner of speaking, yes, and again in another manner of speaking, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, which, act, which, which answer do you want? <laughs> uh-huh. Pick it. Pick whichever one works better for you. Yes. Also, are we talking like biblically? And then just like, hmm, talk tonk, mockter. <laughs> Monkter? Actually, Monkter. you know Monkter, Monkter, I think, is it. <laughs> Chen asks if the monk could gain the doctor's confidence. <laughs> uh, Chen ships it. Uh-huh. And the monk thinks that he could. Monk, <laughs> Monkter is a no viable chance. ship. No chance. So Chen basically tells him that the doctor has a full M of Terranium, and if the monk can recover it for them within one Earth hour, the Daleks won't eliminate him. <laughs> uh, sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. The loose cannon reconstructionists quickly show us that the doctor has been spying on this whole conversation. <laughs> the doctor's like, mm, I was never going to trust him to begin with, but <laughs> now I'm even less likely. Uh huh. But that said, he is kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> and the monk tour ship swings back into viability. <laughs> we cut over to the tomb where. The enslaved people have been moving the pharaoh's treasures for easier guarding, including the TARDIS. Cool. I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable that uh, if we're we're doing ancient Egypt, it's all going to be like tomb related. Yeah. <laughs> we cut back over to the monk who enters his own TARDIS and then leaves a few moments later with some sort of sci-fi device in his hands. And he walks off, presumably to use his sci-fi device to look for the terranium. Very cool. Sort of thinking like a tricorder? Yeah, like a, a terranium tricorder. Nice. A tricorder? <laughs> Definitely. Yes. <laughs> the doctor, who has followed the monk to the monk's TARDIS, goes and tries the door of the monk's TARDIS, and it's unlocked. <laughs> uh. He steps inside. The camera operator and or loose cannon reconstructionist doesn't follow. We just watch the monk's TARDIS from the outside as it changes from a stone block to a motorcycle, a stagecoach, a covered wagon, and a tank and then it changes into a police box, which the doctor exits from, carrying some circuitry that he has removed from the monk's TARDIS. Nice. It's like, how, see how you like it when someone messes with your TARDIS. <laughs> Sarah, meanwhile, has finished sawing through her ropes. So she unties Stephen. And the two of them... Uh, no need to like rush things. I mean, like, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> you know, as long as he's tied up. Uh-huh. So, yeah, she 
she does whatever she would like to do with him and then unties him. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he already had like a raging erection. So, uh, and he was looking at it with a big smile on his face. <laughs> yeah, there was there was not any complaining. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, except when she started to untie the ropes and then, and then he started complaining. And then she had a big smile on her face. <laughs> And eventually, they they decide to get on with things. So <laughs> she does untie him, and the two of them attack the three guards who 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 have just been like you know standing a few feet away with their backs turned, right, uh, humming to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I think the guards definitely weren't paying attention because it seemed like the Sterikingler got a surprise round in the combat. And the combat itself only really lasts like a couple of rounds. Yeah. I, I like how competent these characters both seem. Mm-hmm. Good, good companion material. I've been saying it so far all along, but I'd like to say it again. I hope Sarah sticks around. Well, speaking of competency, I will say that like... Steven hangs in there, but Sarah is definitely the more proficient fighter between the two of them. That's my kind of ship. The monk's sci-fi device has led him not to the TARDIS, which, of course, has been loaded into, you know, the Pharaoh's storage area, but it has instead led him to where the TARDIS materialized, which is now just like an empty spot. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder what exactly this sci-fi device is uh, tracking, but... Yeah. What do I know? I'm just living in the 21st century here. The monk basically just kind of shrugs and heads in into the pyramid to start searching manually, I guess. Kyle shrugged to demonstrate. But the doctor, who has, of course, been secretly following the monk this whole time seems pretty worried that the TARDIS is not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's understandable. <laughs> uh-huh. He continues following the monk, who actually does find the TARDIS pretty quickly and easily, just, like, inside the tomb. And the doctor confronts the monk as the monk tries the TARDIS door. He's like, what, did you think I wouldn't lock my TARDIS? What kind of an idiot just leaves their TARDIS open? And uh-huh. the monk's like, oh shit, I forgot something. <laughs> they banter back and forth a little bit about how the doctor's TARDIS doesn't blend in with its surroundings like it's supposed to. <laughs> and the doctor's just kind of like chuckling to himself. <laughs> uh-huh. The monk also asks if the doctor detected the monk following him on the time curve indicator. And the doctor's like, <laughs> Not uh, your machine, no. Uh, of course, they had detected somebody following, but it was the Daleks that they detected, not the monk. Mm-hmm. And apparently this is because the monk jumped across the track with his TARDIS. The monk's like, man, I was being all clever and stuff, and then the, the Daleks just had to just go straight for you. Uh-huh. 
he offers to show the doctor like how to jump across the track i guess it's you know fancy advanced time time traveling techniques or whatever i wonder if that's related to what happened on the museum planet oh probably when yeah they, like we're out of phase for a while yeah the doctor's like well i can do it accidentally <laughs> uh-huh. and we also know there's no way in hell the doctor's gonna actually take this monk up on his offer to teach him anything <laughs> yeah you know he's like you know let's just like step inside the tardis and i'll show you how to do it but the doctor of course knows that he's after the terranium and he refuses I mean, even if it wasn't for the terranium, there's no way the doctor would ever admit to needing to be taught anything. Yeah, that's so also true. The, the monk stood a 0%, probably less than 0% chance of this succeeding. <laughs> the monk's like, dude, the Daleks don't give a shit about you personally. Just like hand over the terranium and then we can all leave. Together, as he gazes into his eyes. <laughs> uh-huh. The doctor's basically like, you're a fucking idiot if you believe that. Yeah, they're just going to film negative this kind of out of hand. Yeah. Because why not? <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the Daleks. Apparently the monk's hour is up and he has not made contact with them yet. So they start preparing a task force. All the humans will be exterminated. I obey. Oh, shit. I guess now they have no choice but to team up. And he's forced <laughs> to band together when a common enemy decides to come after them. Uh-huh. Definitely not tropes about that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Steven and Sarah also discover that the TARDIS is missing. So they also head into the tomb to start looking for it. And they also find it quickly and easily, but neither the doctor nor the monk is anywhere around. They knock on the TARDIS door, which is locked. <laughs> well, when this TARDIS is rocking. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, they don't notice like the sock that's hanging over the TARDIS doorknob. <laughs> I, was, I was very close to making the same joke, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> But the door is locked. Stephen starts calling for the doctor when Sarah interrupts him and directs his attention to a nearby sarcophagus, the lid of which has opened just enough for a hand wrapped in bandages to come out and start moving around. And then words on the screen say, next episode. Next episode, escape switch. I love how we're meant to think this is a scary mummy, but it's actually like the doctor who hid in there and wrapped himself in bandages as a disguise. <laughs> I, I suspect this is going to be a very quick cliff dangler next time. Uh-huh. Uh Well, listeners, cool. find out in two weeks how quick a cliff dangler is. <laughs> yeah you know maybe it is a mummy <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't bet on it um, well cool this is a fun episode I think we said at one point you know when we were talking about the, the various 
eras in time that we'd already seen historical eras uh we were speculating what else we'd see and of course we said ancient egypt is one of them because it's like one of the the standard ones that you see in fiction and and you learn about in school and all that mm-hmm. uh and so so here we are remember how i said that this serial is twice as long as it was originally planned to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> this like this setting of ancient Egypt and the pyramids was actually an idea that Terry nation had for the chase and it didn't make it into the chase. So it's here instead, basically. Yeah. I suspect these sets and costumes were things that they probably just had lying around the the BBC lot in the sixties. Yeah. I'm sure that's true. (laughs) Though speaking of making an Egyptian episode in uh, the 60s. <laughs> these these Egyptians that we're seeing here, um, what's, what's your impression of them, Kyle? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I didn't actually, like, research the actors or anything, but they seemed pretty British, unfortunately. Okay, I guess in, this, in the sense of being white British people, probably, right, in brown right. face. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I will say the the black and whiteness of Doctor Who makes it a bit less clear whether or who or how much people are in brown faced sometimes. Yeah, we'd love to be wrong. <laughs> that would be great. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. And yet, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. All right. Um, yeah, I wonder if that's going to improve once we hit color. I wonder if that's going to incentivize them to actually cast people of color as mm-hmm. their characters who are supposed to be people of color. But So one hmm. thing I, I heard, I have no idea whether this is actually true or not, but I heard somewhere that maybe Mavic Chen was supposed to be blue, which like would be cool, but how the fuck should we know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you know. um, with the uh, the the Draven, I think, where where we we see in the reconstruction, which is in color, right? It's an the animated animation reconstruction. Yeah, we see how their their uniforms and their their makeup is different shades. But again, like <laughs> wasted on us, uh-huh. or wasted on the original nineteen sixties audience, I should say, because this is all black and white. <laughs> and uh, if you honest, I'd rather Mavic Chen be blue than uh, an actor in yellow face, which is what he 100% otherwise is. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we can let him get away with it, even if he is blue either, because uh, A, the character's name is Chen. B, the actor is definitely white. We have looked that <laughs> one up. Uh-huh. And C, I do think that they either, like, they, they cast a, a, an actor with, like, eyes that they decided made him look southeast asian or they put some sort of makeup or whatever on his eyes to make him look in their opinion southeast asian so uh, all right anyway (laughs) uh, i think we've talked about that before but not 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 my favorite decision that the bbc has made yeah for sure but in the sense of like you know this being a a time traveling adventure I, i i think this is once we get past or overlook or make our peace with the 
shitty cultural elements of it, I think that this is kind of a fun episode. It's 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 fun to see ancient Egypt. It's fun to have like the monk and Mavic Chen and the Daleks all coming after our heroes. It's fun mm-hmm. to have like the the whole like. Uh, captured and taken away and escaped by cutting bonds with clay pot shards. Like this is all pretty standard adventure serial pulp adventure type stuff, which is kind of fun. Problematic, but fun. <laughs> Doctor Who once again putting the fave in problematic fave. <laughs> or the other way around, putting the problematic in problematic. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it works either way. The the phrase. All right. Well. All right. Well, come back. uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. uh, Yeah, come back in two weeks and find out if it's a mummy. (laughs) (laughs) This is my version of Gugu Ghost, which is also, you know, I don't know, Scooby Doo reference, maybe. Ruh roh. So we'd like to thank Circuit Twenty Three for the awesome theme song he made for us. Indeed. Check him out on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at the Doctor's Watcher. Wink. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, tell a friend and leave us a review. Indeed. And thanks to Benny for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. <laughs> all right. Thanks to Kyle for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thanks to you listeners for doing this out of order because I, I lost my momentum. <laughs> um, my, uh, yeah, my, I lost my place. Um, yeah, thank I you, Kyle, for uh, watching Doctor Who and telling us about it. And thank you for all of you listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We already did that part. Um, uh, I guess see, it, you in, see you in two weeks. Yeah, Bye. here's where we say come back in two weeks, listeners. <laughs> Bye.